morning. Okay, welcome to our session, the power of graphic style stories to empower sustainable health eating behaviors. I'm the uh, I'm Sian Lee, moderator as well as organizer uh, organizer of the session. Um, so uh, these are my uh, team members who will present today. So uh, before we uh, start our session, I will just uh, share why I organized this session. So. I have been working with Melinda and Susan for the last several years for um, some projects. And one of the projects is uh, about uh, We Engage for Health, which we will talk about a little bit more in detail later. But um, I learned about this graphic style stories. So when I was young, I read a lot of comic books, but I never thought about using comic style uh, stories to promote health and also nutrition or using for nutrition education. But after I joined this, their research uh, team, I learned a lot about this graphic style story and I thought this is a really fascinating way to promote uh, health messages. So that's why uh, I thought that this is a really valuable um, skill and knowledge we can have as a nutrition educator. So that's why I organized this session. So I will briefly introduce my uh, speakers today. So Sujan, Sujan Gert. So, um, she had two masters, one in um, technical and scientific communication from Miami University, and then one um, master in biology from Kent uh, State University. Um, she has been working for over 35 years developing science and health education content for wide range of audiences and for use in both K-12 and informal community settings. She has been developed graphic style stories graphic style science and health outreach storage over the last uh, 15 years as a part of a free science education partnership award grant supported by NIH. So she just retired last year, right? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? I think it's a little bit, make some sound here. Are you okay with the sound? Okay. And then Melinda uh, um She is a professor at the Department of Rehabilitation, Exercise and Nutrition Science uh, at the University of Cincinnati, and she's also associate dean for the research in my college. And she got her PhD in interdisciplinary biochemistry from University of Cincinnati, and then her, she got her MPH in quantitative methods from Harvard University. And then she did a three years of a postdoctoral training, sorry, not three years, but she did a postdoctoral training or fellowship in NCI, National Cancer Institute. Yeah, so she's familiar with this area. And um, so she's a, a community partner, the public health researcher, and she has a mission to promote health and reduce health disparity among the people across the Cincinnati. And currently she has two um, R25 grants, and both of them focusing on community health promotion through educating students as well as community members. And finally, I'm uh, Sungyeon Lee again. Uh, I got my master's in human food and nutrition at Sungyeon Women's University in Seoul, South Korea. And then I came to the US to have my PhD in human nutrition at Michigan State University. And then I completed my three years of postdoctoral training with my um, advisor there too. So, and I currently teach at University of Cincinnati and I have been uh, as any member since uh, 2000. So I'm long standing member here. And uh, currently I serve as a JNEB uh, Board of Editors. So that's our brief introduction. Okay, so we don't have any COI related to this presentation. 
And we have three learning objectives here. So um, at the end, hopefully, you can explain steps to follow to develop culturally relevant stories with your community co-designers and also can identify resources essential for creating graphic style stories. And then finally, you can apply the principles of creating successful graphic style stories to uh, draft a story to promote sustainable, healthy eating in your own communities. To achieve these three learning labs um, objectives, uh, we have uh, four parts. So first one is uh, power of stories. Uh, this will be brief. So I will uh, talk about some background information and introduce about narratives. And then the second part will be led by will be led by um, Susan, and uh, she will explain all key concepts. And then you will have uh, two group activities. So actually, you can have an opportunity to practice writing a script. And then the third part will be um, co-designing process. So Melinda will talk about the co-designing process. And then finally, uh, Susan will share briefly about some essential resources to develop um, graphic style story, and then we will wrap up. So you have handouts. So the first set uh, you will use actually for uh, group activities. So there are four pages. And we also give you um, character uh, guides. So you can find this one as well. Uh, full uh, description of how you can develop um, graphic style story. And then finally, there's a one handout about troubleshooting of a writing script. So you have a four handout. Can you quick check? So everybody has that one? Okay, great. Okay, so just the power of stories, the first part. So I have also a specific learning objectives for part one. So we'll talk about the definition of our narratives, different types of narratives, and then why we care about the narratives, how it works. And then finally, what's the potential benefit of using um, graphic style stories and story sharing in nutrition education? So, narratives. So this is a definition. So if you read some literature, you will find the different types of definition of narratives based on which field of the definition you get. But uh, this one says a representation of a connected event and characters that has an identifiable structure is bounded in space and time and contain the implicit or explicit message about the topic being addressed. So basically, when you see the narratives, you can see some characters and characters some events. And those events happen in, spe in specific space and time. And when you read the narrative, you can see the message they want to give you. So why do we care about the narratives? So as you know, health disparity is a big concern in the US as well as in nutrition, and often people with the uh, underserved population, they have a low health literacy. So if we wanna really address this issue, health and disparities, um, we really need to um, provide intervention culturally relevant to the target group. And the narratives can be one of them. So often narratives, it comes from the target population or target group, 
And if we include those um, relatively as a part of the intervention, that can be more culturally relevant and more effective. So uh, this is uh, one um, figure from a paper by uh, Larky et al. And you can see how narratives possibly can work. So here, some characteristic of characters and storyline, and there's a mediator, and then eventually we can change the uh, behavior through change their attitudes or some beliefs or social norm. So when you read the narratives, if the stories or narratives have characters who are more like realistic to the the readers, or the characters are more likely likable and similar to oneself, and storyline is appealing, that can lead to engagement of the readers, and also um, they can see, yeah, the characters are similar to me, or I can relate to the character or the situation. If that's the case, that can lead more likely to change their perception, belief, attitude, and then finally they can lead to the uh, behavior change. And besides that personal level, the also social cultural level is important. So um, if the contents are culturally relevant and similar to their own culture who is reading the story, they can really stimulate um, the identification uh, process and then also social preparation, more likely discussion, engaging, then they can lead to behavior change. So um, one paper just summarizes uh, how the narrative works. So again, through um, story sharing, um, you can stimulate the engagement. Through that process, people can have a better recall about the messages, and they are uh, less likely to resist to the story uh, or content, or more likely accept what they are saying. And then they can uh, promote positive health behavior, reduce negative health behavior, so eventually, a story can help um, for behavior change. So there are different types of narratives here. So maybe you're familiar with all these different types of poems. So theater performance can be a part of the narrative or uh, personal storytelling, which is most often used in the um, health promotion. And then filming or written story can be shared, some videos. And nowadays, many people post their stories through social medias. And uh, if you read uh, some literature in uh, health promotion, uh, you can find many papers actually using uh, different types of narratives. And I just put three um, review papers. So uh, first one is a scoping review papers targeting uh, diabetes patients or cancer patients or other health conditions. So they present how storytelling has been used to develop intervention or actually part of the intervention. And then also uh, the next two papers show uh, in terms of um, different types of storytelling, especially the third one, digital storytelling have been used to promote uh, health education, targeting um, students, youth, as well as uh, some population like African-American, Latino, immigrant, or refugee. So um, storytelling or narratives have been used in health promotion. And I didn't see many um, papers uh, in nutrition, actually. And then I want to talk a little bit about storytelling. So yeah, story, we talked about the definition of uh, narratives. Actually, story can be interchangeable with uh, um, narratives. 
And storytelling is a way to communicate story using sound, images, and words. So it is uh, called like a story sharing, discussion circles, or group circles. And storytelling has been used uh, to health promotion um, uh, in many different areas, as I showed you in the previous slide. Uh, basically, storytelling more often, they share the personal stories. And then that personal story sharing can trigger discussion. So, uh, and then some question and answer type of thing. So that can promote organizational learning. And the other thing is a graphic style story. So if you read uh, literature, they usually use educational comics rather than using graphic style stories. The reason we are using graphic style stories in our project, because uh, sometimes people think comics for children. So they are not that, um, how can I say? They don't like that much, basically. So we changed the uh, terminology here, graphic style stories. So if you see some literature, yeah, there are some um, papers show how comic books or comic style, uh, educational comics has been used in education or health promotion or uh, educating patients. And I want to show you three uh, panels of the stories from um, our projects here. So graphic style stories can um, enable people engage in the topic without any judgment. So as you see here, one person, one character said, okay, how do you um, put their, what do you put their place? And then one person said, um, whatever I can. The other person said, okay, um, I'm trying to health, eat healthy food. So. Sometimes people may not be comfortable saying, yeah, I put whatever I have in my plate. That's kind of embarrassing, and people are worried about, okay, maybe some people think uh, um, more like a judgmental about myself, but if you read a story like this one, it's more likely um, fear-free of judgment, just to you read and see what's going on here. So it's a one way to share this kind of story here. And then the other thing is a trigger, trigger conversation. So one person here said, okay, uh, there are different types of protein and list all different types of protein. And the other person saying, yeah, but there are some healthy options than the others. So here they can discuss and that can stimulate uh, some of the discussion of the participant. And then the other one, uh, problem solving. So yeah, uh, do you have some ideas how to add some veggies to the meals or then uh, another person saying, oh, there are some suggestions here. So provide some solutions. So through stories, um, graphic style stories, you can achieve all dif dif these different types of um, aspects. So in terms of our project, our graphic style story is unique compared to traditional one because we used co-design process. So Melinda will talk about in detail how we uh, developed a co-design process and eventually we develop uh, graphic style story which are relevant to the target group. And the other thing is um, we have a story sharing process, reading aloud. So when you see other papers, usually one person share their story, more personal story, and they discuss. But for us, we have written, developed story. Since we use a co-design cool process, that can be a reflection of the person or people who provide the feedback, so cult culturally relevant. But we assign characters to uh, several participants. If we have a session or group uh, education session, then they read the story together. That can be very helpful 
to engaging people to discuss and then ask questions. So they eventually lead the organizational, organizational learning opportunity. So that's the difference uh, between ours and then uh, traditional ones. And then the other thing is that we have a full uh, version of the story versus the short version. So our full version of the story is just somewhat long and it's hard to use that on during the session. That can be a good handout when they have time to read their own, unless we have a long session. But uh, we have also short version means that we condense information or select the key information from full version of the story and then use that one during the intervention sessions so they can read that one and then uh, we can give out the full version so they can read their own. So we have a different version based on the setting or topic. Uh, we can be flexible. We have some examples. So you guys have on your table um, some samples of a longer story. These are about as long as we get. Um, and sort of, it's like a small book version. As Son Young mentioned, sometimes, depending on the setting of the outreach, there's not time to read something this lengthy. And therefore, we have created other kinds of formats for other settings. Um, oh yeah, you all, do they have this one? Um, this is up here today, but we have other stories up here. Um, yeah. Voices from that story. We have FAQs, which are in the very back of this book. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or over there. So,
that's why we couldn't give you the book of all the food stuff. But it'll be on the website soon. So you can always go to our website and it'll be there. And we'll also have copies eventually. We'll have it sent them in there. Thank you. Anything else? Thank you. So my story is about uh, nutrition, uh, food literacy for breast cancer survivors. So we have a first two uh, step down. So we have a graphics trial story done, and now we are recruiting some participants to the focus group to get some feedback from our target group. After we finish the focus group, we may revise that one and then finalize it. Okay, so next one. So um, do you see some value of graphics trial stories in nutrition education? So this, this can be helpful in nutrition education, how you can make your participants more engaging, send a message in a positive way. So uh, hopefully you can use it in the future. So I'm on time, so next year. Okay, so do you want to do that? Okay, so hopefully you're a little intrigued and a little excited about the idea of um, using stories yourself in the kind of uh, nutrition outreach that you do. And what we're going to do in this part is help prepare you for our activities where you're going to start working on your own. So we're going to give you a structure for how to approach this process based on uh, a lot of trial and error and experience over five years of this project creating the kinds of stories that you see here. So what we're going to talk about are how you're going to structure your story with big ideas, a theme, a three-step story arc, and characters that are meaningful and appropriate for your story. And by the way, um, you will be able to download this whole PowerPoint, so don't worry if you, that you don't have to memorize this or write it all down <laughs> as, we, as we go. Okay. So what do we mean by big idea? Well, we have to be honest here that we're talking about stories, but we're not talking about the great American novel. We're not talking about Harry Potter, about you know, the Lord of the Rings. These are stories that people are reading for information. It's, you know, people sometimes call it infotainment, right? It, we want them to be engaging, we want them to be entertaining, but we have a goal, we have a, a mission. And so the big ideas are the mission of the story to, um, and, and we want to limit uh, and focus with big ideas because the story cannot just go on and on blabbing every bit of information there is about something because then we're just veering away from any kind of interest or engagement to just might as well be reading a textbook. So what do we do? We want to think of what are really are the big ideas and we try to stick to three big ideas for any given story. We'll be showing you an example. Well, here they are. <laughs> okay, so we have a one of the stories that we have worked on uh, with Sun Young is uh, about consuming fruits and vegetables. So here are three big ideas. They can help um, help you have a healthier diet, that different colors have different health benefits, and that seasonal fruits and vegetables can be more affordable. Those are the big ideas. So we're not trying to you know, talk about every single thing you could talk about about fruits and vegetables, but what do you want people to walk away with? 
that could be actionable and motivational for them. Okay, so stories tend to have certain components that make them successful. Why do we love stories? Okay, um, and I want to contrast the idea of a story to an anecdote. All right, so if you, for example, this morning I went to Starbucks and I uh, ordered my coffee and then I, I was confused so I accidentally stood in the line that was to order while I was waiting for my coffee and a lady had to like point out to me that my coffee wasn't there, it was somewhere else. Okay, that was an anecdote. It didn't really have much of a point. Uh, you don't really care what happened to my coffee this morning. Um, there could have been a story if there had been some reason that I built into that anecdote why we care, what was a resolution of some sort of problem. But So we often tell things that could be part of a story, but they're really just anecdotes. They're not full-fledged stories. What we want is a story that has some kind of main idea that's conveyed with characters. Stories always have characters. They have some kind of setting. We're somewhere. We're at somewhere and in some time. We speak in a story, and there's a plot. Something happens. We have events that occur in a sequence. That's a story. To make it simple, and if you look up story arc, if you like really wanted to write novels and plays and all kinds of things, there's like all kinds of really complicated story arcs. We're going to stick with the simple, classic, three-step story arc. We have a problem. We take action to move towards a solution, and then our problem is resolved, one way or the other. That is a story arc. Characters in a story, typically, does this sound like a, a high school English class? They have a protagonist the main person who has the challenge, an antagonist. Now, in our kind of stories, usually the antagonist is a situation, not a person. We don't usually have a villain. Instead, we have some kind of health concern, um, a lack of knowledge, um, whatever it is. That's the antagonist. And then we have some kind of supporting cast who helps us tell the story. Okay. So the conflict. Um, there has to be some kind of direct conflict. As I just said, the conflict is often a need for information. Um, somehow the conflict hinders our protagonist. And really, if you want any kind of urgency to the information, you've got to have a conflict and it needs to be relatable. Because if there's no conflict, why do we care? You can say, fruits and vegetables are good for you. Yeah, well, I've been hearing that for my whole life, right? What's the, why am I interested in this character's journey? Because there's a conflict of some kind, even about fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Okay, so here's a conflict. Um, uh, Tiffany, will you be the orange letter words? And, um, sir, I think Will you be the, the blue words? Okay.
Acevedo has a problem here. <laughs> there's no soda and there's no chips. Okay, then there's some kind of action. They're gonna, we need to move our story forward in some way. So let's see an example. Here's the same story. Will you guys just continue, please? guys, and because we are informational here, we do have some call-outs that give some added content. All right, now we have to have a resolution, the payoff. We have fulfilled the desire of the protagonist to uh, yeah, fix the conflict, to, to address it. Okay, one more time, Tiffany, and um, both of you, please. Jazzy is his friend, and you know, you kind of, okay, Vito, his motivation is impressing Jazzy with some healthier snacks, great. It doesn't matter why he wants to do it, he's gonna do this. So that's an example. All right, so we need characters that are relatable. You saw there we had a mom, we had a teenager. Um, they have to have some kind of background that makes it believable that they have this conflict, that they know the information they know, they, um, and so sometimes the characters have a backstory that lets them believably move the story arc through. Um, in our case, we have been working with these characters and these stories for five years, so over the course of the time, we started with a core group of characters that was co-developed with our, some of our target um, community members, and then as we need different points of view, or knowledge, we add more, we have added more characters. Um, so if you're thinking of doing a series of stories like this, you don't have to begin with all these characters. I think you begin with five, maybe, six. Um, think about that, though, and think about how you might want to use characters uh, over time in your s set of stories. Our characters, we, we need science and health information source people. Uh, so we have some different kinds of people that provide that perspective. We have uh, teens because we want to be engaging to different age groups. And we have other community members that have other kinds of backgrounds. So what we're going to do now, and I hope I'm okay on time here, we're going to read a story together so we'll get some more different readers this time. And I want you guys to be thinking about this. I want you to identify the problem the solution uh, or the action towards uh, you know, resolving the conflict and then the result, the, the, the resolution. And I want you to think about who's the protagonist and who is the anti, who or what is the antagonist. And our story is picking proteins. So we really just have two main people talking in this story. So let's have somebody be Monique, Jazzy's and Addie's mom. Who wants to be Monique this time? I'm looking at you guys. Okay, Monique, and who wants to be Jazzy, the daughter? Okay, great. And your hair matches Jazzy's talk bubble, so it was just perfect. Okay, 
we're going to skip the little info boxes for time's sake. Baby says, hungry. All right, um, I'll just read a video here. Jazzy, those burgers were different, but good. Can you do? Oh, can you see? Hmm, yes, good. Baby says, good. And? All right, good job, guys. So that's your first experience with our version of story sharing. Now, what was the problem in this story? Okay, and what was especially the problem for our protagonist? Who was our protagonist? Hmm? I'm sorry, this thing is noisy.
And so what was the antagonist in this story? The, and it's kind of, kind of embedded in what the happened, right? If you're kind of if our main conflict is Jackie's worried about the attention, then the antagonist in that case is Jackie's fear of being embarrassed. The main conflict is mom needs to find something different to fit for the pickup in the academy of the day. What is that in you? Once you kind of bought into the thing, what is the one in you? You search the recipe. Okay. So in that case, what would your academy be? The need for finding something to cook. Okay? So there's challenges. Well, we don't know what to cook. Right? If we're not going to make what we always made, what are we going to make? So in that case, it's a lack of information. In the other case, it's very more of a personal concern. So those are some different kinds of challenges. Right? And what was your and we already mentioned that Jazzy looked stuff up online. So that was part of the action and the story to help evolve the conflict. What was the end result? For friends like the group, she maybe tricked them a little bit. And they, they didn't know any different, and they liked it. And so that resolved her conflict of being worried about her friends. And it resolved her mom's conflict of wanting to eat food and support it. Good job, guys. See how, oops, ah, see how much is embedded within that simple little story? But that was all intentional. So that's what you guys are going to work on next. All right, just another little uh, practice here. Identify the conflict. Um, here we have... Um, um, some people are wondering, where are the younger people that usually come to our community dinners? And I'm doing this just to move on time for you. Um, so that's that conflict. We don't know where the younger people are who usually come. And they're wondering, did they lose interest? Because there's not as much junky food to eat at the community dinners anymore. I, I forgot to put the right thing in here. Um, in this case, they move the action forward by actually doing a survey to try to find out what people do want to eat, especially the younger people. And then in the, um, in the re resolving the conflict here is collecting the data about what people like and deciding to find some more uh, healthy versions of favorite foods so that kids, younger people, would still see their favorite foods being offered, but they will be healthier versions. So that's, that's, that's another example of a conflict, action, movement towards the resolution, and then the resolution. All right, any questions before we start the activity? Any questions about anything that 
our community co-design process. Um, and what we did is, now people sometimes have a hard time with pulling things out of the air and they're not used to it. So when I met with them, I had some ideas to come. And that's kind of how we got started. I had ideas and I had some visuals of what different churches could possibly look like. Um, and we then, from that, created our first um, as we've gone on, um, we've had input through our co-design process that maybe some of the churches weren't exactly right. We had one that lots of people thought looked really weird, like a, it was our old guy Pops and we haven't seen him. But then he looked kind of like skeletal and kind of weird and he didn't look like he didn't have any teeth. And, and he's supposed to be a retired science teacher, so he's one of our like science expert people and they were like, somebody was saying, well, I wouldn't believe anything he says because he looks weird. So, <laughs> the, the interesting thing about that is Susan didn't want to change him at first, and then she heard a second person also complain about him. She's like, okay, I want to change him. And it's not that I didn't want to want to, it's that we had already used him a lot. And we had to go back and just to actively He had a makeover. Oh, he had to have a makeover in all these stories. So it wasn't that I didn't want to change it, it's just that one person could object to something. And it could be like, yeah, you know, that person doesn't matter. But it wasn't, but we heard it so vehemently from a second person that it's kind of like, well, I guess, you know, we've heard, we've got to do it. So yeah, the meaning of food class. Um, other times, um, you know, there was one surgery that I was adding, we needed a social worker, and uh, I created a possible uh, work for her, and one one of the people in the group who were working with them, she said she just did not like her looks at all. She wasn't right. And, um, and the funny thing is, the person who said that is a super vivacious, really cool person. And so I just, I actually designed a character that looks a lot like that person. And she was really thrilled with it. And um, now, of course, our characters have these weird colors. And we did that kind of, you know, did you ever see the comic? Uh, uh, the show Doug uh, was on Nickelodeon way back in the day. All the people were colored like this, blues and all kinds of colors. And you know, you think of something like Sesame Street. I know they're not people, but the characters are very colorful and kind of embracing a kind of diversity uh, just because everything is so bright and colorful. And that's the direction. Uh, we proposed this to our uh, co-designers and people were very receptive to that idea of using um, these kind of crazy looking colors for That's people. We had a few people um, that didn't, they wanted to be matte, like real colors. They wanted it to be more real. And um, we went back and forth about making them real uh, colors. And we felt like by having them colorful, we could use them in multiple populations. And it really makes things easier to read because the bubbles match the, 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 the person. So we decided to leave it. and. 
I would say a good 80% liked the color. The 20% others did not. So you have to yeah. make a decision. Yeah, I mean, it is a little odd, you know. But once you get used to it, I feel like everyone just kind of accepts them the way they are. And we were working with different, potentially with different uh, populations within the Cincinnati area. And we knew that it was not possible to recreate these comics with reflecting different communities uh, in terms of, you know, uh, visual appearance. We just could not do that. We have a Muslim character now. We also started adding characters. They, one of the people on the We Engage for Health Partnership actually was Muslim, and she asked to have a Muslim person. So we added that too. So we, we, we do yeah. try to reflect other cultures and, and groups too. Yeah. I am the per that person, and I'm going to talk to you at the end about some ways you can create characters without having to be an artist. Absolutely, and I'm going to talk about that too in the end. We use a reading level uh, editing program, and everything is, our target is no higher than grade six. If we can get to grade four, that's ideal. Yes. Um, we don't have any animal characters. Uh, I would love to add some. Uh, She's an animal person. I would talking. love to add uh, some pets. Um, so maybe we'll. And, and then that, the, the, the fish, we're going to do the fish tell Yeah, story. we were working with an environmental group, and they wanted to have some fish as characters. So. Um, Telling the story of the stream. Yeah. So, so certainly, we, we'd certainly be op totally open to that. This hasn't happened yet. But, you know, you could do a whole story all with animal characters. And that would kind of take out any concerns about like human appearance. So that's a great route to go. Um, okay, so you guys are seeing sort of in groups that I think will need Tiffany, you we most people to work in groups of at least three. three at least three. Um, so Tiffany, could you sit with the ladies of the Pierce? And then you guys have two, you guys have four. Are you gonna join your team? Okay, so you can join um, either one of these groups, okay? And, oh gosh, ah, that thing, sorry. It's okay, so the first step in creating your story is you're going to identify the key elements that we just talked about. You're going to decide what is the setting and goal of your story. Uh, you notice we had a lot of people, we had people at a community center, we had people at a home. Um, where are these people? And what is the point, overall, what's the point of your story? And then what are your three big ideas? So, you know, the point of your story, not just to make better food choices, that's not enough. You have to have a more specific point or else what are your three big ideas going to be, okay? But once you know the goal of your story, your three big ideas, then your story arc, and then who your characters are. Now, for the sake of today, because uh, and pra practical timing, you could use our characters, and we gave you a character guide. So you guys should all have this. 
and it gives you a description of who they are, how old they are, what their job is, what their health concerns are, and uh, you're welcome to use this, or you're welcome to create your own. And you can, a lot of times what we like to do is if we don't have a character, then we, 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 we want them to be talked about in the, in the story. We, it's somebody's cousin's friend's uncle of someone in the story, so they can still be talking about that person, um, but they are not actually gonna be visibly in the story. Yeah, because first of all, there's a limit to how many health concerns we can give the people in this community. <laughs> And sometimes someone has to have a different health concern and we're like, well, Charity has diabetes and Charity is this and that. Like we can't give her like a heart condition too. So, we could, you know, but. <laughs> so somebody's brother has a heart condition or something, you know. So yeah, we have to be a little creative there. These poor people. It's like one of those murder shows where every week someone in this small town gets murdered, right? Like in Murder, She Wrote. Do you guys remember that old show? And you think people have to start being afraid to live in the same town as this person. So that's kind of how these are. We don't want people to be afraid to live in this community with, uh, and get uh, more diseases. So what we're going to do is kind of circulate and help you just, if you have questions as you go, and just kind of encourage you and give you feedback. So again, you're doing part one of this uh, activity sheet, and it has prompts on there for all the things that are listed. Now it's your turn. Oops. What do I need to do, Sonia? have 20 minutes for this part.
everybody. I know everyone is probably not totally finished, but from from um, going around to different groups, I think everyone has a really good start of a, of a great story. So let's have each group report on your uh, setting, your goal, three big ideas, and story arc. Who wants to go first? Hello. Who wants to report first on, on, on your story so far? All right, you guys go ahead. The, yeah. That's great. And um, did you get to your conflict action and resolution yet? Okay, go ahead with those two. Awesome, thank you. All right, why don't you guys go ahead with yours? Great. Great idea. Okay. Well, let's hear yours. Mm -hmm. 
And, and what's the resolution at, uh, at the end of this story? Okay. Okay. Well, three really different settings, three really different goals, and stories that I would be excited to see uh, finished. Not that I know we can't finish them totally today, but, but you are next going to, we did that. Now we're going to work on drafting the script. You probably won't get your whole script written today, but hopefully you can make some good progress. If you didn't quite get to your characters before, I think you were started, people were starting. Um, remember, you can use our character guide for quickness today, um, and then, uh, but you, or you can just have your own characters. All right, so we're trying to teach, obviously, there's a lot of information content to deal with, but we want the speech to be as natural and suitable to people's backgrounds as possible. We do not want people to talk like a school lecture. We want the ideas to emerge through conversation as much as possible. So if you see in this one panel, uh, Monique is saying, um, oh, let me try to explain it. You've got this, right? See, so that's, she's gonna tell us some information, but that's conversational. Then she's engaging the other character in the discussion, so she's saying, right, like this, okay? So she's the one who's learning, but she still has something to contribute. Everyone has knowledge to contribute through their own experiences or uh, something they learned from their doctor or something they looked up online. They don't have to be the science or health expert to, to contribute. It's very important that every member of the community contributes and is validated that way. And then there's more information and the other character, again, is able to say, oh, you mean like this. So she's still, she's processing and she's connecting to things she knows. That's important. It's not just an information dump, okay? We do have to define unfamiliar words sometimes, though. Even though we're trying to write at an accessible reading level, we're teaching as well. So in this case, um, we see a character talking about free radicals, and she's saying you can think of them as bad guys. Um, you can think of free radicals as bad guys and antioxidants as superheroes. So we're making, we're defining something, but we're also making it fun and accessible. We, in making things simple enough for an a not a person who is not formally educated in the topic that we're teaching. It's very easy to inadvertently introduce misconceptions because we're trying to simplify ideas. So you really need to guard against that. Um, it's just creeps up so easily. Um, the other thing is avoiding inadvertently expressing judgment. We're conveying stories where people have health challenges, they could hopefully make certain choices that would support their health better. But we absolutely do not want to judge how people are eating. 
So remember the story where uh, Monique um, didn't have chips and pop in the house? And that was Vito's favorite. She didn't say to Vito, oh, you shouldn't eat that stuff. Don't you know that blah, blah, blah. She just said, oh, we're, we're avoiding those things, so we just don't have it. But here's something else we have. Okay, so she didn't say, don't you ever eat that again, and you're a bad person because you eat crappy food and all this. Hey, you know, it's, it, yes, and I know you're not going to write those words, but a tone of judgment can come in so easily. And you know that that's the last thing you want, but you just you really have to guard against it. And I already said this, making sure each character contributes to building knowledge. Um, did we have, okay, did we give these out yet? Okay, we are not, we don't have time to do this, but you have this, and this will help you in the future if you want to do more of this work. If you want to finish the story you started, write another story on your own. This is script troubleshooting. So we have some sample scripts that have these problems in them, okay? They might have, they, they, one character might be doing all the talking and no one else is validated. They may be judgmental, it may, there may be misconceptions. This will help you just kind of see an example of how that could play out and how you can develop sort of more of an eagle eye for it in your own, okay? So that's a resource for you. So what you're gonna do now is we're gonna take the time to actually write your script. And we won't have time, I don't think, for, ev for you guys all to read out your full story, but hopefully you'll be able to read out a little bit of your script uh, when we share. So we have, uh, how much time, to stay on schedule, how much time do we have for you? I know, but do we still have that long now, based on the time it is now? Okay. All right, let's start with 40. And, um, and that you guys are ready to go. And we'll circulate again and kind of give you help and answer your questions, so. Hmm? Oh, so a script, the way you want to write your script, thanks, Melinda, um, is like this. <laughs> but don't make those mistakes, yes. So you're going to have character name, colon, words, words, words. Um, you, if you need to, you can say setting, blah, 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 especially if the setting changes. You know, like setting may uh, be at the corner store, then it's at home, or at school, then we're back to the corner store at the end. Uh, yours has a different settings. It has, you all have different settings. Home, then the, then the farmer's market, then home again. You have doctor's office, home. So you can say setting, whatever, then the dialogue that happens at that setting, then the next setting dialogue that happens. Okay, excitement. Now, if you feel you need to define a word, did you notice when we were reading the story out loud, we didn't read the, some of the little call outs? That's what we do sometimes in order to involve the characters blathering on too much information dump. Like nobody is really gonna say all that, okay? but sometimes we have to say more, so we just put it in a call out. So if you think a definition is needed or a little call out of extra information, you can indicate that as well. Okay, guys, have fun.
everybody. Hello. It's great to see everybody working so hard, but we have to stop now and give you a chance to share uh, part of your script. So uh, just pick uh, different people from your table to read characters, and let's hear, uh, hear how your script sounds so far. Um, let's see. Uh, why don't you guys start this time? Well, just try because it's going to sound a lot better if you're reading as different people. The setting, the setting here starts in the home, and um, so I'll just tell you that our characters are Monica, uh, Monique is the mom, Jazz is the child, and then there's um, Miss Georgia, and then there's an extension person. Maybe you'll do the close. so that's how we'll break it up. Just no, um, is that microphone working? I think maybe it needs to be closer to you while like you talk. This? Let's now. Can you hear? Yeah, I guess I so well, be close. Okay, there you go. So, hey, Jazzy, it's Saturday morning. Would you like to go with me to the farmer's market and see what fruits and vegetables are in season? No, Mom. I don't eat fruits and vegetables. Oh, let's see if the blueberries and zucchini are in season. I bet you'd like them if you tried them. Okay, I guess I'll go if I have to. At the farmer's market. Um. Hi, Monica and Jersey. It's nice to see you all today. Um. Hi, Monica and Jersey. It's nice to see you today at the farmer's market. Don't forget to use your EBT card. That will get you double of what you buy for your fruits and vegetables, you know. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Take a look. Take a look out for the extension table for some tasting and Take a look out for the extension table for some tasting of fruits and vegetables that you can have. Oh, take a look at the, take a look for the extension table for some taste of fruits and vegetables and you can have some recipe to take home. I'll be the extension person. Uh, hi, we have fruit kebabs with blueberries to taste today. Would you like to try some? Oh, I'd love to try that. Maybe. Come on, Jazzy. You like blueberry yogurt. You're going to like these kebabs. Mmm. This really is great and refreshing. Okay. Uh, here is a recipe card so you can 
try make it at home. <laughs> Use colorful fruits and vegetables uh, to eat a rainbow. These colors are good for your body, skin, and brain. And I'm also dressing. Oh, that's cool. I like your different voices there. <laughs> uh, so Monica looks at the looks at the table and she points and says, "What's that?" And the extension person says, "This is a spiralizer. Have you ever made zucchini noodles?" And together, Monica and Jazzy say, no. no, how does that work? So they hand the spiralizer to Jazzy and show her how to do it. So it's like, oh, like you turn it like this. Uh, this is fun. I want to try this at home. Uh, here is a, now extension person, <laughs> here is a sample of zucchini lo mein and a recipe for you to make at home. And then they, Monique and um, Jazzy, try it. Um, and Jazzy says, yum, this tastes like Chinese takeout. And the mom says, um, there's probably more, even more nutrients in this version than the takeout. Uh, oh, come on, mom. Let's go find the farmer who has zucchini for sale today and make this for dinner tonight. The end, or at least for now. <laughs> Good job! Yay! Okay. All righty, who's next? You guys want to do yours? Okay. All right, so um, our characters are Jazzy, Vito, and James. Um, Jazzy's the main character, and Vito and James are um, their, her friends. So Jazzy says, I have a gym meet tomorrow, so I want to get um, an apple with peanut butter to better my performance. Ew, that's boring. Um, James says, Oh, how does healthy eating improve your performance? Because I have a cross-country meet tomorrow. Oh, this energy drink will improve your performance, not an apple with peanut butter. I asked Cardi about the energy drink. What did she say about it? No, it has, it's not good. It has too much sugar and no vitamins. Our muscles and body need vitamins to perform well. Oh, do you have proof? Apple and peanut butter is $2 cheaper too. Here's proof. Watch this video that Cardi shared with me. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get, um, still, still tastes gross. I'm going to get apple and energy drink. 
Okay, I'm going to get apple and peanut butter and water, too. I bet James and I will beat you at the um, running meet tomorrow. Good job, you guys. Sounds awesome. I like the where's the proof line. Where's the proof? Okay, good job. All right, here's our last group. So um, our scene is, excuse me, we're starting off at the doctor's office, and our characters are Dr. Cook, uh, Miss Georgia, and Cardi. So, um, hi, Miss Georgia. We got your lab results back, and I want to talk to you about a few things. Your A1C is currently 10.2, which is pretty high. Wow, that's much higher than I thought it was going to be. What do I do? Well, why don't I have the dietitian come talk to you about a few strategies? Hi, Ms. Georgia. I'm Cardi, the clinic's dietitian. I'm here to help you make a plan. Oh, thank you for helping me. That A1C number scared me when Dr. Cook told me, I don't know what to do. And we have a sub box that talks about what A1C is, so that's on the side. Um, so, Um, I know that can be scary, but there are some simple things that we can work on to help make that number, or bring that number down. There's things that we can change with nutrition, and there's things that we can work on with physical activity. Is there a topic you like to focus on first? Let's talk about physical activity, but I don't have money for a gym. Great, let's talk about physical activity. Physical activity is a great first step and can be fun, and can be fun for the whole family. It doesn't have to be complicated, and you can do it for free. So first, what types of things do you like to do? Well, I spend a lot of time watching my grandchild while my daughter is at work, but it makes it so I don't have time to exercise. I love that you enjoy spending time with your grandchild. Did you know that, it's, that being active is important for every age? I bet we can think of some ways to be active with your granddaughter and not spend any money at all. I didn't think about being active with her. She's always begging me to go to the park. Would that count? We can absolutely be active at the park. What things do you like to do at the park with her? Maybe I can take her to the park and walk around with her as she rides her tricycle tomorrow. Sometimes they have a splash pad. And that sometimes is not complete. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great job so far. Good job, everybody. Now, let me ask you this. On reading your script out loud and or hearing someone else's script read out loud, did you notice, well, especially if you were listening to your did you notice anything that you would work on improving that you didn't notice before you heard it read out loud?
okay, so some things don't sound as conversational as you thought they would when you hear them read out loud. Okay, any other observations? Okay, so you notice that maybe you ha people have to say some other things to help the transition kind of flow. Okay, great. Any, what are, any other observations about that? Okay, so some stories do have something like a prologue to introduce the setting and the circumstances. We tend to not do that. It doesn't mean it's wrong to do it. But if you don't do a prologue, you're right that what the characters do and say does have to introduce the setting and the you know, action of the story. And the graphics, which we're going to talk about in our last section, they also help to do that with images. So if your first panel shows a bunch of kids at a corner store and there's stuff on the shelves, you don't necessarily have to say that, right? But they could also say, hey, I always love coming here after school. I'm so hungry to get my snack. So that that helps you put in the setting oh, it's after school, and they always come here. So you can do that with some words that create that context very quickly if you need to. Okay, any other observations? Okay. So she was a little bit lectury in how she sounded. Okay. Those, you guys, those are great observations. Did you notice how hard it was to realize all that until you read it out loud? You have to really, if you, we always workshop the early drafts of the stories out loud. And Melinda's gonna talk about our co-design process because honestly, you can't hear this stuff. Now, I, I mean, I have a many years of experience. I usually catch more of it in an edit, even without reading it out loud, but even I hear new things when they're read out loud, even after all the years I've spent doing it. So it's really important because these are read out loud stories and they have to sound like. Now, a couple things just to think about. People usually always use contractions when they speak. So if you say it is versus it's, it's going to sound formal and maybe not conversational. Even that just changes the tone. Also, certain words that sound a little formal, like maybe grandchild or um, condition or whatever, things that people are going to use a word that sounds like too formal. My grandkids, you know, someone is probably going to say, um, you know, someone's not going to say my health condition, you know. They're going to say, oh, you know, they could say that my health, but anyway, just keep in mind that there are things that you are going to just say very easily in writing, and, and it, it 
try to put yourself in the mind of you're just sitting with your friend talking at the coffee shop. Is this how you would say it? Um, so, but these, I am so proud of the hard work you guys did. And I think each of these stories has awesome potential. And I know you may not continue to do something with after this workshop, but I actually hope that you do. And if you have any questions going forward about them, please get in touch if you want some feedback or you just uh, you know want to share what you did because I think uh, you did great work. Okay, we are ready for. So um, we make these stories using a co-design process, and we involve representatives from our target community in that process. Um, co-design directly, like I said, involves representatives, and depending on what you're targeting, like I think it was on this table, I went cross-country coach, and so when I was making some stories around cross-country, I involved an elementary runner, a high school runner, and a collegiate runner in the process of making those stories. Um, the, the process is iterative. I know some of you may be used to doing focus groups or interviews. Um, this is not, if you make a story and you get it all done and then you show a group of people, they're not going to necessarily feel empowered to make changes or make suggestions to you at that point. Plus, you're always finished. And so making those changes at that point might be really challenging because you're finished. So we instead use this iterative process. Um, and it, this takes a little bit longer of a timeline than most people um, anticipate. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So we have an academic, a community academic partnership, and there's about 20 people that are involved in that partnership. Um, we have um, five faculty members, um, somebody who is a nutrition, that's actually Sung Young, a nutrition person. We have a, an environmental health person, um, Pat Ryan, and then we have a genetics person, um, Lisa Martin. And we have an organic chemist who has uh, been working with Susan Gertz for many, many years, as well as, a, a, uh, as myself, as well as myself as more health promotion epidemiology. Um, we also have uh, community members. We have five community members that, that actually uh, attend on a regular basis. Um, Sheila is a social worker at a community center, um, and she was the inspiration for Kiera on the, on the character list. Um, we have um, uh, Vani and Luana and Jackie and Paula are other folks. We also have a few men that come and, come and go. So we have a, a person named Bobby Rogers who's helped out with a number of our stories. Um, and he's, he's been inspirational because he actually is a cancer survivor and so some of our stories are cancer stories. Um, we also uh, have interns and we have a few staff members. Susan is obviously a critical staff member. And, and then we had a woman named Shireen um, who uh, was uh, from, from um, Egypt who helped us a lot. And then we have a postdoctoral post fellow now as well as a lot of undergrads. So big team. And, and some, some people have kind of come and gone over the last five years. Uh, a lot of us have kind of stick with it. Um, but, but, but overall, that's our team. But in individual stories, you know, our team is always involved in every, in every story. But we also will reach other community members. So when we were doing a lung cancer, um, we, we, we reached out to a guy named Thomas Chalmers, who actually had lung cancer and had survived it. Um, we, Sun Young has two people that helped her with her stories that were breast cancer survivors. So we, we, we will pull other people into the, the whole process as, as we need it. 
because we want their opinions. Um, we always try to also kind of pair these. Our goal of these is not just to read the stories, but actually to lead to a, a meaningful conversation that should happen afterwards. So that conversation is a critical piece. And so what the stories do, do is get everyone on the same page so that they can have that meaningful discussion. And um, that allows people to really learn and they ask questions. And the cool thing is, is some people, some, one of our stories is around HPV, um, human papillomavirus, and Jazzy is talking to Monique and they're gonna go to the doctor to get, get the, um, a shot, the vaccination, and you know, she says to her mom, well, how do you even get HPV? And of course, there's a whole talk about sex, right? So the story is interesting because we use humor and Jazzy doesn't want to talk about sex like most 12 or 13 year old girls, right? So, um, but we, we try to, um, when you actually have the meaningful discussion afterwards, we don't have to talk about ourselves then, we can actually talk about the characters. So you don't have to say, oh, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. You can say, I can understand why Jazzy didn't want to do it. So that kind of, that helps with the story. Um, our target for our programs are middle, uh, middle school all the way up through adults. We did try, we have had a camp for kindergartners through um, sixth grade, which um, the kindergartners were a much more bigger challenge <laughs> than for, in the earlier uh, early readers. So we had to do a lot of the reading for them. But uh, our goal was to really target, you know, the, the fifth grade and up age group. You can check out our website. We have so many stories on the website and we're always adding stories as we finalize them. The nutrition stories are currently not on the website. Um, that, that Sun Young has done, they're gonna be there as soon as we are finished with you know, getting them in a book sale and everything, they'll go on the website and they'll have their own, their own tab that you can check out. Uh, we, we do have a number of nutrition stories already on the website that are just nutrition in general. And you're welcome to use any of those stories. So, um, so why do we co-design stories? We, we really believe that this, this community engagement piece is critical. Um, and and we, there's evidence to show that health promotion materials that are created with co-designers, with people in the community, are better than those who are not. We've seen that firsthand. Um, Research Ready is one of the stories that we've created before, and um, the first iteration we sort of created because our community partners wanted a story around research, and what is research, why do we do research, um, how do we get safe, safe when we're doing research, but our community partners um, really made it so much better than, than we ever could have made it. They like made all kinds of recommendations that totally altered um, the course of that story. And we had another story that was around um, the allergic march, and we were calling it the atopic march. That was the same time when we found out that pops needed to be changed because we had, one, um, they were com completely could not stand pops. Two, they complained that our story had all men in it, and they wanted to change the story so that they could include um, females with a young child. So Addie was born because we didn't have a young child at that point. So their, their feedback was so critical to the evolution of that particular story and, has, and because of it has it worked so much better. But in order to really make that happen, you, you have to build relationships with people. You can't just um, you know, start, start, you know, start you know, asking people for feedback. They won't always know what to do. So we include, like I said, the We Engage for Health team is a 20 plus member, but we have also our content experts, we have our target audience members, and we have a lot of community organizations that are involved in some of our stories. Um, for example, if you want to do, if you want to talk about autism, you might want to get an autism group involved in that story. Um, we identify the needs and views of the target com community in relation to the story topic, and we then offer them training. So in order to, if you're going to become a big co-designer with us, at the beginning, we didn't offer training. When we learned, it was hard to get them to give us feedback fast. 
And so we started creating a training. Not, it's not an extensive training, okay? We're not talking about like an hours of training. Um, we have two versions. We have a longer version um, that, you know, if you wanna really help at every stage of the game, um, that's about an hour. But we have a 10 minute video for people who just wanna give us feedback about a story. But what we do in that 10 minutes is tell them what kind of information we, we want them to share with us like, and give them some context. So that when they get in the room with us and they read the stories out loud together, they feel comfortable sharing what they, what we need them to share. And so training's a critical piece. Um, and then we will have, that we, we, we obviously ask them to, to critique our story scripts before we ever even get them into Comic Life. Comic Life is the software we, we use to create the layouts that you see um, in the books we have here. And they, once again, get to critique it at the Comic Life stuff. So we don't just talk to them once. A lot of times we'll go back and forth multiple times with the script. Um, there has been times where we've scrapped a script and put it over because of what people told us, because it wasn't good. Or, I remember that Susan had three different versions of a, of, of a, a story once, and they sort of dropped one and merged two, and sort of said, let's take some stuff from this and this from that. Um, we also had a, a woman who was a new co-designer. She was brand new. She shows up, and she starts talking about heat islands because she was an environmental person. And the story we were talking about was about environmental health. I think it was environmental health. And, and so we completely changed the context of that story to talk about heat lines because she was there and that she had that expertise. So we do you know, incorporate our co-designers' um, personalities sometimes and even what they're interested in. And so we do the multiple layers um, of critique during the um, scripts phase and the story layout phase once we get into comic life. So Susan made this. This is in our manuscript that's gonna be published hopefully soon. Um, actually, it's not submitted yet, but it's going to be submitted soon. <laughs> um, but you have to envision the story, and once you envision the story, you guys did that process today. You were envisioning what the story would be, and then you created a story script, and then once you do the story script, you go into comic layout, and then you have to test the story. And sometimes, like I said, when you get to the testing the story, sometimes there needs to be changes, and so you sort of need to kind of, it, it cycles. Um, we personally feel really um, want to make sure that our co-designers are valued and feel valued and their input is um, very, that they know that their input is valued. And so we actually do some surveys along the way. So we have a co-designer experience survey, for example. I'll show you the rest of the surveys in a second. But we make sure that at each stage that we're, we're making our co-designers um, feel welcome to, to actually share. Uh, if they don't share, and they, if they, there would be a, sort of like a rubber stamp. We don't want a rubber stamp. We want them to actually impact the stories that we create. We have done focus groups of our of our co-designers, and we had 17 co-designers participate in a survey as well. And um, it was pretty high level of enthusiasm about how they felt like they were valued and how they felt like we heard them and that they could see the impact of their suggestions in the stories that we created. And that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted them to feel that way. We wanted them to be excited about the stories. Some of the folks that have the, our stories now, they're advocates for our program because of it, because they, they love just being part of the creation of the story. I recently had one woman, um, uh, Tanya Ramos, she helped us make this Voices for Vaccines story. If you want to check this out, it's up here. It's all around pediatric, vac pediatric vaccines. And I said, well, how do you get people to talk to you about this story? She, could, she pulls the book out and she goes, it's the product. It's awesome. She was, so I usually just pull a book up and I say, hey, I have this really cool story that I helped to make. 
can, I, can, I, can, I, can we read it out loud together? And I can share with you the information. And so she'll, she was like, I, I videotaped her doing this. And it was like, she was so excited because she helped make that story. And she was getting to share and have people talk about it. So it was really cool. So we, like, like Susan said at the beginning, we use the stories in a lot of different ways. And so because, because of that, um, when we first started, we, we made like longer stories. But we started realizing we had a we had a partner that really wanted to have a health there, and and so they um, this was Susan's idea actually. Um, she's like, let's make a four panel story that we can put on every table, and so that's how these four panel stories came about. We were working with uh, community health workers uh, around COVID vaccination, and it was them that said, well, it would be really good to have a really short version to kind of emphasize a part of the story, and that's how the FAQs over there, those those other ones, those one panel ones, came about. So we try to take what they need and create something that actually works for them. So we don't, we don't kind of try to fit in, in a one-size-fits-all. We have a one project that had a one-panel story that actually had a lot more dialogue. It was actually more of a complete story that we used that was telling about um, a greenway that was a really unique greenway in that, in that area. Um, and we've also had like direction sheets that were story-style too, which were really cool. So we, we have used these in, in community education, health fairs, um, this, like I said, the summer camp of K through six, which was crazy, it was two years ago. Um, so yeah, those lots of, lots of uses of stories and, and we let our partners dictate what that might be. So um, valuation, like I said, is critical. So we have that co-designer experience survey um, that really is at the completion of each stage we also have a co-designer story satisfaction survey. That story satisfaction, just ask them, um, are they satisfied with the, with the end product? And then the story impact survey is done by people that were not part of the co-design team, but we do that stat before we actually ever let it go out to the world. So we give that to all of our We Engage for Health family, um, team members. We've had our students do it to their family and friends, the cross-country group. I have a team last year, I showed every single story I went through the process of um, having the, the students read the stories out loud and giving us story feedback. So, and we also do some you know, focus groups as well. So we try really hard to make sure that we are um, being, uh, I keep thinking of the word, um, responsible or, or authentic with our partners and so that, that we're actually creating something that we did really co-design together. Not every story though is equally co-designed together. Sometimes, because, especially because of you know COVID and stuff, we start with a with a whole layout of something, um, not necessarily a story in the comic, but we, we may have a whole um, um, script put together, and then we show it to our co-designers. Sometimes we don't have a script at all, and we ask for them to help us make it. So, some depending on on the situation, we might start different spots along that cycle. Is that is that clear? <laughs> no, is that clear? Okay. Today is the act of, as our final activity. Uh, we want you, you guys have all had stories that you've written, and um, you probably need to do this individually, but I think it would be good to share because you each have different resources in terms of people that you would have help. But who would you want to be on your team to create a story? And, and how would you engage them? So, um, like I said, we, we work, in, we, 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 are, we partner with the West End in Cincinnati. Um, and, and like for Sun Young, she partnered with some women who, who were, um, had breast cancer. How do, we, how do we identify them? We contacted some of the local churches um, that we, we already had a partnership with, and we said, hey, do you have anybody who um, has breast cancer that would like to help us with this, this, this process? 
And so that's how we were able to find the, the folks for her. Um, we also had an event where, you know, we, we, we had different um, uh, people that came to that event. And at that event, I identified two people that was like, hey, I'd like to get involved in this more. And that's how we met the, the gentleman that helped with uh, the lung cancer. He came up to me and said, hey, I've had lung cancer. Um, I would really like to help you with the lung cancer story. So sometimes, like, it wasn't even our idea. They actually asked for the story. So he, he had said, I want to do a lung cancer story. And I said, great. So um, it was really funny. We have all these cancer stories, but we completely forgot um, colon cancer. I'm not sure what happened. We just forgot colon cancer. And so I had a post, my postdoc, actually, when she came aboard, I wanted to teach her how to write a story. So she was the person who drafted that colon cancer story. Now, Lauren is a breast cancer survivor herself, so she has since tried to, to write other stories around breast cancer. But, but you know, each, each story has its own little story itself. Um, so look and think about what, who your target population is going to be. Think about who your resources are that can actually identify people that would be able to help you, what organizations might be involved, um, what traits the co-designers should have. If a person is so quiet that they won't talk, um, they're probably not the best co-designer for you. Um, you probably need someone that are, that, that's not always going to like love what you show them either. Like, we had a woman who helped us for a while who she never told us anything bad. She's always was like, this is so great. Uh, we have another woman, uh, Luana, who likes to criticize everything we do. We like the people that criticize. <laughs> so like, that might be something to think about is who, who are the kind of people that you might want to have on your team. And then also, who are the contact experts? Um, we asked Sun Yang to be on the team because we wanted a nutrition um, content expert. I, would, I, I made it halfway through my um, nutrition program. Actually, I took two classes of, of Sun Yang's. So I was getting a second master's in nutrition. But I got, I got kicked out of the program because I became the associate dean. And you can't get a degree in the college that you're an associate dean for. <laughs> so I didn't finish my degree. <laughs> so definitely wanted someone like Sun Yang on the team. Um, who actually does have that, that content expert. But like I said, you have to think about who you want is your content expert. So let's take a few minutes to do that now. How much time do we have? Two minutes? Let's just take like five minutes. No. <laughs> Two to three minutes, how's that? Just because this will be fast anyway. I'm just using
I'm sure you could talk and write about this a little more, but we're going to forge ahead because this last section uh, is going to answer some of the questions that you've already asked about how do we go from the script, like the one that you started today, to these pretty stories that you guys are looking at. Um, this, I already, you already asked about, and this was about the reading level. Um, there are lots of um, resources online for calculating reading level, but we love uh, Hemingway. It's an inexpensive app that you can purchase and download to your laptop. And I love editing in Hemingway because it will highlight um, as you go the sentences that are too difficult. Um, and then the color changes as you edit, so you get that immediate feedback that you're improving the reading level. Um, rather than like other methods where you have to keep having it rescan the reading level a after you edit, this is it more interactive and really nice. It also um, helps you to avoid passive voice, which is usually weaker and more wordy than active voice, uh, and some other things. So very, very good resource. This is the program that the comics are laid out in. It is super affordable, and the educational price for it is only like $24, $25, something like that. Uh, it works on uh, Mac, uh, Windows, and Chromebook, and it's just a super, super program. Uh, on the surface, it's very easy to use as you delve into wanting to do some things that are a little more complicated. You have to work, uh, learn a little more, but you could buy this, download it, and start making a comic immediately. It has, yes, it does have a lot of good templates. It has built, all the fonts are built in. So all the comic fonts are built into it. That's great. You don't have to have any of those. And like where it says whole grain goodness there, that kind of big fancy words, the style of that, those are built in. So you can create all that, all the text looks that are comic booky right from within Comic Life. But what it does not provide is the actual like graphics of the characters in the backgrounds. So for that, you need a clip art resource. Please be mindful that things that you just grab online may not be copyright released. And especially if you're distributing this content outside of your own personal use, you must use copyright released materials. If you're going to be doing a lot of this, it is really worth subscribing to a clip art resource. We use FreePick. Um, you will also need some kind of vector editing software. Because when you download these from FreePick, usually they always have to be edited somehow before you use them. There is free vector editing software online, and um, so you don't have to, for example, uh, subscribe, get a subscription to Adobe to get Adobe Illustrator. That's kind of the flagship, but there are alternatives. So um, if anyone wants to know more in depth about that kind of stuff, feel free to contact me. Um, the graphics you create can be infographic types, like where we have a, um, you know, the, the structure of a grain um, or a little graph here, or they can just add visual interest, like the bowl of uh, rice or whatever that is. Now, for creating the characters, um, 
you can get by with sets like this and do a lot of characters. If you subscribe to FreePick or some other service, you can download these character pages like this. This is where the vector editing software comes in. You have to be able to open that file and copy and paste the different pieces of that person into your different poses. But it's really easy and you don't have to draw them from scratch. You can just, they see they have different expressions, they have different arm positions, and there's lots of different ones you can choose from. So that's a great way to get started with your characters. Um, okay, that's all I have. This is the wrap up. In summary, hopefully you guys realize that community co-designed stories are useful and they can be used for proning health and nutrition alike. Um, we all have our personal stories of um, experiences and, and we're gonna, Susan and I are gonna share some of those experiences and then we'd like to see if you could also um, tell us how you think you're gonna use these stories or, or use what we've um, taught you today in your future lives. Um, one personal story is a, a woman named Fanny. She was in our first um, program called Health is Happening. And there is a nutrition section in that. And one of the things that we do is we, we have this, what are the story names, do you remember? One, one's about antioxidants. We talk a lot about antioxidants. And we talk about um, Miss Georgia loves blueberry, making blueberry muffins, and we talk about blueberries. And we have an activity that goes along with that. And um, this woman loved learning about nutrition. And a week or two after the session was over, she comes up to me and she said, I have never heard um, the nutrition taught in this way before. I um, now understand why I should be you know, doing this. And she goes, and I, I went to the grocery store and I bought some um, fruits and vegetables and I'm drinking more water and I've already like, lost you know, two or three pounds, I think she said. But she was really excited because she'd heard it in a different way that made sense to her. And, and it was really cool. And she didn't just tell me, she went around to others that was in the group and was just so excited to have learned that. Um, recently, I also had a woman who was a, a breast cancer survivor and she came to one of my online storytelling events and she said to me, I, I'm an educator and I, I educate people in health all the time, and I've never seen something like this before. I've never experienced this before. This is really interesting. This is really cool. So, uh, personally, I didn't like comic styles when I started this whole thing. I didn't like comic at all, and so I was really skeptical. And I was also skeptical if adults would would like them. But what I've seen in the use of it over the last five years is that people love this. They don't want to be lectured at. They don't want to see PowerPoint all the time. They, they like, and, we, and, and we, we have a lot of programs where we teach community facilitators on how to do our programming. They love the idea that they can take a book, and they don't need PowerPoint to do it, and they can go and they can have a conversation with the book that we give them. So I would encourage you to think about how you might use this in your own, in your own world. Um, you want to tell your story? Well, uh, there's a couple things. One was the very first, the very first story we created for this project was about Jazzy having an asthma attack and having to go to the emergency room. And she's telling this to um, one of the other, uh, big, big Sam, who she knows because he's a security guard at her high school. And so she's, t she's telling about this scary experience. We were debuting this story, and this was 
like the very beginning of the project, and we weren't trying to read it out loud at that time. We were debuting it as a, actually as a little video at a meeting at the community center that was one of our central groups of collaboration. And I was so nervous because the people there were not kids. You know, they were older people. Uh, and, you know, men, women, um, uh, you know, older. And I was just really nervous about it because I thought, well, are they going to all just think this is stupid? It's about this little, you saw Jazzy. She's a cute little, you know, young teenage girl. And she's, you know, with crazy blue hair and everything. Well, after we did a little survey afterwards, and the reception to it was overwhelmingly positive. I think almost 100% of people said they would like to see more content in this format. And I was just so blown away by the positive reception of this at the very early stage of the project. One other thing that was really memorable to me is also in Health is Happening, which Melinda was talking about, and that was a series of meetings, reading stories, and doing coordinated activities over a period of weeks. And, one, and it, it's about basically about um, uh, minimizing and combating common chronic health conditions, and that's what that Health is Happening. And what the story was about um, one of the character's sons had gotten a job where he had, there was a wellness plan. And the other character had, didn't know what a wellness plan was. They never heard of it. And they were thinking, well, what can we do? Because we don't have that. And we don't have, our insurance doesn't give us a wellness plan. Or maybe we didn't have insurance. I don't know. Anyway, afterwards, we had this discussion about the story. And we did read it out loud. There was a very uh, animated conversation afterwards where people were saying things like, well, I think, you know, Big, whoever, did I say someone's brother, Big Sam's brother? Big Sam, well, I think Big Sam's brother, blah, 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 and well, yeah, you know, I don't have a wellness plan at my work either, and this is what I think they should do. And I mean, they were having this animated discussion about these people and the issue of this wellness plan. And I was really blown away because I, it's one of the first times that I personally witnessed how engaged people could become in these characters, both for the character's sake and then transferring that engagement to something in their own lives. And that is what came out of that conversation. So to me personally, those events really showed me what the power of these stories could be. And those were both in the first year of the project, I think, and really gave us, I think, all a lot of motivation to keep working on and perfecting, um, maybe not perfecting, but pursuing perfection in the, our process and our product. So those are my experiences. I don't know if you guys have anything else to share about that. I think the last thing we really want to hear is after all of this, I know you guys started some sample stories, but when you leave here, what are you inspired to do now with stories in your own work based on this? We would love to hear some uh, how you feel now. Yeah, go ahead.
Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, go ahead. So she can really become a person and do things. Uh-huh. Awesome. That sounds great. What else? Speaking of that, um, Melinda has already mentioned this, I think So Young mentioned it. On our website, we have lots of stories, and you are welcome to use them. And so there definitely are already stories about fruits and vegetables. There's one about antioxidants. There's, um, I'm not sure what else. I know there's more than one story that involves nutrition in different ways. So if you guys are doing anything that you think these stories could be useful, please use them. Um, and you can download them as PDFs, most of them, or you can read them online as flip books. Um, and we're still getting some of them online. They're not all online, but uh, there's, a lot, uh, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't address those issues, so maybe you need to write a story about the, uh, with the goal of addressing their concerns, their conflicts. Keep in mind, if you got Comic Life, you could do a one-pager for them, okay? This does not, you don't have to go whole, whole, you know, all in at first. You could just do a one page, you could get some little clip art characters, get some senior characters, and one of them says the other, you know, ah, they've told me again that I have to eat more fruits and vegetables. That's ridiculous. I'm never gonna eat that many fruits and vegetables. And this is how people yes, this is how the people have to talk in your story, okay? And then the other person has to say, yeah, and every time I buy them, they just rot in the refrigerator anyway, and I can't afford to waste that money. This is, and they're all going to be like, this, right? They're going to be like, oh, these people are saying this stuff that I'm not really supposed to say, but they're saying it, right? I mean, let the characters be negative. Let them be upset. And then something realistic has to happen. Obviously not someone waves a magic wand and now we're eating 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, but something happens and they're like, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, in one of our stories, Vito, you met him, and he likes his chips. Uh, some pops, I think it was pops, gave him at the grocery store a tiny, a little snack bag of baby carrots. And Vito was like, eh, okay, I guess I'll eat these. All right, so this wasn't like a, 
ridiculous transformation. So you can make yourself a one-pager and see what happens. I mean, they just might be like, whoa. Photo, photo voice, yeah. Which is another wonderful strategy. Well, photo voice would be a great follow-up, right? because the story itself is engaging people, it's presenting options for improving behavior, but the photo voice is their documentation of themselves. And it's storytelling too, but personal storytelling. That's a really cool idea. Anyone else before are we want to share your thoughts about what you might do with this going forward? I think so. Mm -hmm. 
take things with you, and if you have a colleague that you think would like to see one of the stories, take another one. I'm sure. Yeah, we have Does some up front here. <laughs> it's been lovely working with you guys today. I hope you had a really good time. So, would you uh, provide your feedback to SNEB? That's very essential to improve the conference. And then we have an opening session at 5 p.m. today. So, please attend that opening reception. And then if you can use your social media and share out your experience, I think that would be great. Thank you for coming again. Yeah. Have a nice uh, conference.